Welcome back to another episode of the QB Spotlight Podcast. As always, I've got my QB guru, the man who you come to for college football quarterbacking insight, Mr. Stephen Hamner. I am Eric Henry, SB Nation FIU beat writer, co-managing editor of Underdog Dynasty. Steve, how's it going, man? I know it has been a uh, unique week and a half for you down there in the Lone Star State. First and foremost, before we launch into you know the QB we're going to talk about today and the topics we're going to talk about today, and always thank you for the questions. We did get a couple of questions that we'll address off the top. How are you doing out there, man? I see you rocking the uh, Montana Grizzlies shirt, but uh, uh, dude, what's how have you been like, man? First yeah. and foremost, everyone okay? Yeah, so we're all good. Montana brought down some weather to us that we're not used to, but uh, luckily we kept power. We were without water for a little bit, uh, but man, it's been people around us. Still no power. Still no water. So it's it's pretty crazy. It's like uh, I mean, you know, being in Florida, it's like when a hurricane hits, it's the aftermath is pretty you know crazy to build up. So it's kind of like that right now. Plumbers backed up, um, but we are good. We're safe. Family's good. Family's safe. Just a lot of people that without power and without water. Uh, but things are getting back and getting normal. So it's seventy degrees right now, and this time last week it was like one degrees, like freezing and just snow, like uh, record low temperatures throughout texas record high snow and snowfall throughout texas so um it was it was crazy as well but as always thanks for checking in eric eric was checking in on me too too guys so he did a good job making sure it's okay so we appreciate that <laughs> no nah, man definitely want to make sure you and the fam are right down there really quick you said that people around you are still without some power and stuff yeah like people th- so we're in the austin area but people through People like all throughout Central Texas still don't have um, power and water, and a lot of people won't have water for a while just because pipes busted, and so they had to you know put a cap on it. And I don't know what they're doing with water, staying with friends, well relatives. Uh, so our area around here is has recovered nicely, uh, but they're still like like walking around. You'll still see like blocks of ice just in people's backyards from the pipes busting and rushing out because they weren't home and they weren't able to stop it. But we're, we seem to be in the uptrends. We seem to be improving. So hopefully you can, you know, keep bouncing back. We're from Texas here. We bounce back, you know. <laughs> no doubt about it. Once again, want to send our thoughts to everyone out there in Texas. Glad Steve is doing all right. Before we launch into the questions and quarterbacks we're going to talk about today, as always, you can find us on various podcasting platforms, primarily Apple Podcasts. Just search QB Spotlight. And Steve, where can you find this podcast as well? So you can go to NFL draftdiamonds.com they do a great job putting out uh, dr- uh, draft stuff for, for smaller schools whether it's group of five fcs d2 d3 and they they put a, our youtube channel out and they also put our podcast out and you can also find them at draft diamonds on twitter and then you can go to Podbean, which uh, is our is our podcast host and and they uh they are what, what we load the podcast on them and then they you know put it to apple and all that fancy stuff that's over my head but if you're interested in making a podcast they do a great job and we'll have links below if you're interested in checking them out boom add done i'm getting decent at it eric but uh you know <laughs> <off my head. laughs> and one last thing we promise again we are not selling out we're not corporate sellouts just got a few things we got to plug here before we get into the content steve where can they find you on youtube sir youtube is going to be the, our youtube channel is just qb spotlight and we put out all qb content from what what me and eric talk about to power five quarterbacks to even some draft coverage too uh but we don't leave the group of five out we're still focusing and emphasizing uh the, the, those guys making sure they get covered but at the same time we're kind of covering a more broad base and we just started a few weeks ago and it's growing pretty well so we're just gonna see what happens you can find this podcast on youtube too so uh we're just taking our next steps so now that the formalities are out of the way, I promise, uh, you know, this time next year, me and Steve, we're going to be like the Homer Simpson meme where we're like 
bathe in like jewelry and coins and gold, you know, with all the ads, but it's a, it's a work in progress, you know? So. <laughs> Uh, now that we got that out of the way, we're going to jump into some of the Twitter questions we got. Got to shout out our guy, Joe Broback, who does a phenomenal job covering college football. He is a college football content curator as well. You can find him on Twitter at Joe Broback. That is Joe, J-O-E, Broback, B-R-O-B-A-C-K. Uh, find him at UDD and his podcast is CFB with a J-B. Now, his question, what do you both think about Daryl Mack? at ODU. For those of you who may not be familiar, Daryl Mack, uh, better known as, uh, AKA, I should say, I shouldn't say better known, AKA DJ Mack. Uh, no, it was the former UCF quarterback who started the 20, let's get my years right, 2019? 2018. 2018. Yeah, because we had two years of Dylan Gabriel. 2018 American conference title game was the AAC conference title game player of the game, as MVP as a matter of fact, uh, had a huge game at least something like 340 yards passing. Uh, I think he rushed for four touchdowns. I covered that game at that uh, Spectrum Stadium. Uh, he is making his way to ODU. He's a Norfolk native, so he's going back home. Steve, uh, big kid, 6'3", 6'4", 240 pounds. When you see him, the, the you know, natural comparison is like the Cam Newton type, even though Cam is probably 6'6", you know, just goes to show you how big Cam Newton is, right? But uh, very athletic guy has a strong arm, definitely, you know, a raw talent. We saw a little bit of what he could do. He started the Fiesta Bowl against LSU. Obviously, you mm-hmm. know, they lost that game. But, uh, Steve, what do you see from DJ Mack in terms of that question? And then I want to transition to my own question regarding DJ Mack and his fit with ODU. Why don't you take away with Robach's question first? Yeah, so I think as far as, you know, as far as – so just to make sure I got the question right, do you want me to go into detail as far as how he fits with ODU system right now? Or just, well, just well, well, I'll read uh, Joe's question verbatim. It's, what do you both think about how Daryl Mack will do at Old Dominion? Okay, okay. So I think I think me and you both agree he's going to have pretty stiff competition. Now he's got the he's probably got a little more he's got more experience, more big time games than Hayden Wolf, but he is going to have some some stiff competition. But regardless, he's probably going to see playing time, uh, even if he doesn't win right off the bat. Uh, but let's say he does win. Let's say he he does. Uh, just for the sake of the question, let's say he wins the, the, the job. Um, I think you're going to see what you saw in the game against Memphis, the, the American, uh, the AAC championship yeah. uh, a few years ago back. And I think what you saw there was once he got comfortable and once he got settled in, he was right. actually able to not just run the ball, but throw the ball. Right. And so, yes, he's a big athlete, athlete. He's a, he's a good runner, but I think it, I think we lose that. Like he can throw the ball well too. Even the game, even the bowl game, um, uh, the bowl game against Marshall, I mean, you both that. He actually had some good. Yeah, got roll ball. Yeah. Yeah. And so the difference whenever they played LSU was he just couldn't get in a rhythm. And, you know, his completion percentage was like under 50%. So I think his biggest thing is coming in and getting in a, in a rhythm, using his legs to help open up the pass game, which I know we'll get into in a little more detail here, here in a bit. Uh, but I think he is going to be a good fit with that system and, and what, what ODU's new head coach brings. So it's interesting, Steve, something you mentioned, you talk about him having more experience than maybe Hayden Wolf or Stone Smart and not calling out my QB guru, but believe it or not, that's not exactly the case. I mean, it just goes to show you how young both quarterbacks are. If you look at Stone Smart, who I believe started five games in 2019, it was him and Messiah DeWeaver at ODU, but believe it or not, what's up? Did Wolf end up playing more than Matt? Did he have more games? Started? No, no, yeah. Believe it or not, remember DJ Mack coming into 2019 uh, was going to battle out with Dylan Gabriel, but then he broke his ankle uh, playing pickup basketball. 
So by the time he recovered, that was Dylan Gabriel's job. DJ Mack only has two starts to his name, That's which right. is the AAC title game and then the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, Hayden Wolf started throughout the final four games in 2019. So believe it or not, Hayden Wolf actually has more quote unquote experience than DJ Mack. But of course, Mack is a more veteran player. I believe Mack will be a redshirt junior entering this year, whereas Hayden Wolf, a redshirt sophomore, and of course, hasn't played in a live game in right. over a year, right? So uh, really quick, before we transition to maybe uh, DJ Mack's fit in Ricky Ronnie's system, I do think it's fair we should at least talk about Hayden Wolf really quickly so you know our listeners have an idea of who we're talking about, what the comparison is. Hayden Wolf, big kid, 6'5". At last time I saw him, I actually saw his first career start against FIU, probably about 200 pounds, maybe 205. Your prototypical traditional pocket passer was recruited by the old coach Bobby Wilder. The thing that impressed me most about him, A, was that was a 1-11 team that he came in and started on, and he toughed it out in his first start against a really talented FIU team. The second thing that impressed me is I believe he had 61 attempts. Hmm. I cannot remember who the opponent was. It was his final start mm-hmm. of 2019. And when you put a true freshman in there and tell him sling it 61 times, yeah. that means you got some confidence in him. And he, if you look at the 2019 ODU Monarchs, was the most effective passer they had. So real quick, just want to get your thoughts on Hayden Wolf before we transition into uh, Max Fit and, and Ricky Ronnie's system, what they're looking to do at OBU. Yeah, I think with Hayden Wolf, because you're right, I, I remember that game when he threw 60-something times. I think – I don't remember his exact numbers, his exact stats, but he was, he was definitely up there. So a big kid, not the athlete that Mac is, uh, but probably has, if not a stronger arm, the exact same arm strength as DJ Mac, I would imagine – but definitely more of a traditional pass. But if I remember correctly, I think he can move better than what you would think from a yes. sneaky guy, right? I think he actually yeah. had a decent amount of plays on the, on, the, on the ground against FIU, maybe not so much rushing yards, but just buying time, scrambling a little bit. And so they, they are different quarterbacks, but I think – I know we're going to get to this question in a second. I think they can both fit in ODU's offense, and I think Ricky Ronnie can both make them fit in that offense, as he's shown – historically i know we're going to jump in there here in a second so i don't want to jump too far yeah but uh but different skill sets but both can still fit odu yes really quick let me go on i just want to pull up hayden wolf stat line that first start he started three games in november so it was late season stretch down there for odu 19 of 35 for a buck 69 and one pick again you're talking about a team that was not very good uh they really couldn't run the ball either so i you know take those stats in account with that uh that situation the next week this is obviously pre-covid when you could play back-to-back football games instead of you know missing three or four weeks at a time uh seven days later he went 17 of 29 for 247 a touchdown and an interception in a loss to utsa and then the game that he threw 65 times uh 39 to 65 for 321 which is a game that really impressed me one touchdown one pick in a loss to middle tennessee state so those were his numbers there so now let's go and take a look uh, transition into ricky ronnie's system the incoming head coach former penn state offensive coordinator ricky ronnie is looking to and steve you can go ahead and correct me if i'm wrong here it is a arp it's a his system is based in the rpo principles is that correct correct yes and i'll let you take it away um when you look at ricky ronnie's system and the rpo principles uh, can you go back to kind of his time at Penn State and some of the quarterbacks who had success, maybe some of the things that they were able to do um, as far as athletically speaking? So I think if I think the best way to break that down is let's look at Joe Moorhead, who was the OC before Ricky Ronnie, and Ricky Ronnie was sure. quarterback's coach and was the tight ends coach under Correct. Moorhead. And, Correct. Right. Um, and so I think he was able to learn a lot from uh, Joe Moorhead. Tracy McSor- Trace McSorley's junior years when he had his big year running and throwing and then of course Moorhead goes to Mississippi State Ricky Ronnie takes over and while the quarterback numbers were down uh, just a little bit yeah. uh, um, 
the run the run the run the running game improved a ton. So he didn't have to rely on the quarterback as much. But now there's still other RPO schemes, RPO principles, and he wants the quarterback to be able to run, which Trace McSorley, of course, did. Uh, but you know, when you have Saquon Barkley, sometimes the best the best thing to do is just give him the ball, even if it's not the right read, right? Uh, and then let's fast forward to Sean Clifford uh, became was the quarterback in Ricky Ronnie's last year's OC, I believe. And he's not the runner that Trace McSorley is, but is definitely a, a, a better athlete than what you would think. But he's not the thrower either that uh, McSorley is either. So I think he was – I think Rick Ryan was – I don't want to say limited by the quarterback position, but I still think he hasn't hit his stride yet as far as a, quarter, a complete package quarterback that fits his system. Uh, another example I want to talk about real quick is actually Christian Hackenberg because yeah. he was actually the quarterback's coach uh, when Hackenberg was a quarterback at Penn State, but 14 something, I think. yeah, yeah, runner. And so obviously Hackenberg, you know, was an NFL bust and didn't, uh, you know, blow people away in college. But nonetheless, he was still a second round draft pick. He still had a fine college career, and Ricky Ronnie was still able to develop him in college a little bit. And so I think where that comes into play is the fact Ricky Ronnie has developed pro-style quarterbacks like Christian Hackenberg, and he's helped develop Trace McSorley, who's more of an athlete, and Sean Clifford, who is a, a hybrid, if you will, who can run and throw. So I think that bodes well for not only Matt, because Matt can fit that RPO system extremely well, but also uh, Hayden Wolf. Say if, if Hayden Wolf just looks sharper and better, well, Ricky Ronnie has tools and has a system where he can make he can surround Hayden Wolf and put him in a situation to be successful without doing as many RPO-specific uh, schemes with the quarterback leading it. All right, so I want to pick up right where you left off right there. Yeah. Final question here as far as the ODU quarterback situation. Two-part question. One, I want you to explain to listeners who may or may not know, but for those who may not, who don't know, explain what the key is if you're as a quarterback in running the RPO system in terms of what you're looking to read on a play. And the second part of that question, how much, because personally speaking, I think a lot gets made out of having the athletic guy in RPO, right? Because obviously the R uh, is, is, you know, the run, right? And mm -hmm. if you have an athletic quarterback that also pre pre presents a different dynamic than maybe a guy who isn't quite as athletic. But the second part of that question is this, um, how crucial is it to have someone who can run? Now I'm not saying it's to be elusive. How crucial to someone that can run? Essentially, do you need to have that dynamic athlete in order to A, run the RPO, to, uh, to probably its T, its T in the second question to have them respect the quarterback run games. I know I threw a lot out at you there. So, you know, first part of that question, just explain to our listeners what the quarterback's looking to read there on that RPO, right? When, when, when you're running that offense. So, so depending on the, on the call on the RPO will depend on what you're reading. Usually the quarterback is going to read one of the, so if you see, if you're watching this on YouTube, you have, you know, one of the defensive ends or outside linebackers. If my running back is, I'm, I'm just doing a handoff here. I'm looking at the opposite defensive end or linebacker, and if I can see his numbers, that means he's coming towards me. I'm probably going to hand the ball off. If I see his shoulder pads, I can't see his numbers, I'm going to keep it. And then depending on what's going on after that, I'll usually have an option to throw it behind that linebacker or that DN, depending on what the defensive front is, or I can keep it depending if the linebacker goes with the receiver, but the defensive end crushes uh, in. So essentially I have two reads. One, the first read is, okay, am I handing the ball up or am I keeping it? The second read is, okay, I kept it. So am I going to keep it and run it or pass it? Does that, does that kind of make sense? So it's, no, 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 you're, you're sure. You have two reads. And if you hand the ball off, of course, you only have one read, but essentially you have two reads and you're basically just trying to get a defender on an Island and make him in a, pick a make him have a lose-lose situation which goes into the second part question while 
yes, you want an athletic quarterback. A, a, a more dynamic athletic quarterback is going to make that RPO system a lot better, 100%. But at the same time, I would have a decent athlete who's smarter and more efficient that's going to make that better. Let's take Joe Burrow, for example, who we talked about. They did a lot of RPO schemes. While Burrow is, a, is a, not a great athlete, he's a very – He's a decent athlete, four seven ish type forty. He has enough speed to, to make to, to you know to make you pay, but he's not going to outrun an SEC DB or even an SEC linebacker. But he's so smart and efficient with it. He know he knew when to pull, he knew when to throw, and he knew when to, to hand off. So I think being smart and efficient will trump being a dynamic athlete. Although you know it definitely does not hurt to be a dynamic to be a dynamic quarterback whenever you are uh, running the RPO scheme. All right. Thank you for that answer. So the reason I wanted to do that really dive, you know, to have that deep dive into the RPO and what the, you know, the, the offense kind of rooted in is because I know there's some people who think that, all right, you bring in DJ Mack, Hayden Wolf, not a Ricky Ronnie guy. It's a foregone conclusion that Hayden Wolf will be out of this competition. Right. But as you explained, it, you know, sure, you can't be, you know, Peyton Manning back there per se. But if you have enough athleticism that they at least respect, quote unquote, the, the ability for the quarterback to tuck it then you're still able to do a lot of your RPO principles. And as you mentioned, if you look at, let's go uh, the team I cover, FIU, James Morgan, I'm not going to say the offense was rooted in RPO, but they did have a lot of, you know, kind of read type plays out of the shotgun where, you know, James would, would, either, would read that defensive end. He's going to give it to the running back or he's going to, you know, pull it and kind of do his own thing, whether that's, you know, pass or, or, or whatever. But it's the smarts. If, if you can read it and make your decision quickly, you can still run that offense. Exactly. And that's, is that a fair assessment, Steve? Yes, that's a great point about James Morgan, too. Yes. All right. So the second question we got, and don't worry, Brobeck, I'm coming back to your next question, is from uh, Philip. On Twitter, he is at Philip12Tribes. He asked a question about Liberty quarterback Malik Willis. Thoughts on Malik Willis' position? He says 2022, he meant the 2021 NFL draft. Uh, as someone who had a chance to see play live twice and – what a, a stud, you know, uh, definitely a dynamic player. Want to hear your thoughts on you know, Malik Willis and, and what you see from him as far as his pro potential. Yeah, so I think, man, I think Malik Willis has the potential to be a first-round draft pick. Like, hands uh, whoa, 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 time out, time out. Yes, hands down, hands down. Uh, okay, all right, I'm sorry. This is, uh, hey, let, you guys come here for Stephen Hamner's. Let me explain, though, mine. Let me explain, let me explain, though, and, and here, here's why. Um, because I, I think I think he actually is. Or I think it was a 2022 draft because he'll be back playing this year. Oh, I'm 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 completely blank. You're correct. We're in 2021 now. 2020 is behind us, bro. Let's let's leave. Yeah, I'm I'm complete. You're completely correct. He is a junior. He, he has one more year left. That is correct. And so that is correct. I'm sorry. Here's a few reasons why. Before I get into his ability as a quarterback, let's just look who's coming out this year at the quarterback position. We have Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, uh, Zach. Um, what's the BYU? Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Yeah. Uh, Trey, Trey Lance, North Dakota State, Matt Jones from Alabama. Those are pretty much your top five guys, and all of them are being talked about as being a first-round pick, right? So this is like the heavy, heavy quarterback here. It seems like every year is a heavy, heavy quarterback here, but off the top of my head, I can't think of the number one quarterback next year that's going to be in the draft, in the draft right? Unless I'm, I'm probably just blanking, but off the top of my head, I no, can't. go for it. Yeah. Maybe the OU kid, Spencer, Sanders, or Spencer Rattler. But, Spencer Rattler. Um, but anyway, so the fact this is a quarterback heavy year, is going is Malik Willis is uh, in his wheelhouse. I'm not saying he's going to be a first round pick, but potentially. No, no, no. Yeah, you're saying the talent. Yeah, the talent is there, and the way the stars are kind of lining up is there as well. For that to happen, though, he needs to have another big year like he had this year. Because if if Zach Wilson is getting first round talent, but uh, first round pick buzz, and he has the talent, there's no reason why Malik Willis uh, shouldn't get first round or top talent top pick buzz either uh Malik Willis's arm is going to be a plus his athletic ability is a plus 
uh, his ability to move in the pocket is A+. Plus. Uh, maybe I'm too high on him, but, man, I'm, I'm already sold. However, he needs to have another year like he did this past year at Liberty. It can't yeah. be a drop-off. It has to be the exact same or even better. And if it is better, especially with Hughes Freeze's system, especially the way the NFL is um, – the way the NFL is, is – transfer is, is translating like more of the college game to the NFL that also bodes well for him so I think the talent is a hundred percent there remember he was a big time recruit going to Auburn like he was a dude absolutely um absolutely. but now I think he's in a better place to get drafted at Liberty than he would have been if he won the job at Auburn so I think he's got a lot of potential will he be a first round pick I'm not gonna you know, predict that but the stars are lined that way and I think the potential is there and, and yeah you probably hear my voice I I'm excited. I, I, oh, you're fired up. I, I know you're fired up really yeah. quick. Arm strength. You see the arm strength there with Malik Bowles? Yes, 100% there. Okay. Okay. No doubt about it. Yes. Um, some of the guys who may be eligible in, in, in 2022, as far as, you know, the quarterback room, yep. Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, Jaden Daniels, uh, Keaton Slovis, you know, so Malik Willis will be right there. Just yep. a really quick, you know, run off Malik Willis's stats. And again, like I said, I had a chance to see him play live. He had an excellent game against FIU in week one. And then he put that team on his back mm. in the Cure Bowl. I always forget the name yep. of that bowl game. It's the Cure Bowl against Coastal Carolina. One of Folks, if you want to see a great college football game, go back and watch uh, a matchup of two great uh, – Liberty's not a quote-unquote G5, but – Two teams that aren't power five. I mean, phenomenal game against Coastal, 19 to 29, 210. He had two picks. One of them wasn't his fault. I remember that one was a tip. But 21 carries for a buck 37 and four touchdowns against FIU, 21 carries for a buck 68, three touchdowns. Uh, you know, I'm just looking at his, his, his numbers here. I see he went over the 300-yard mark twice. He did it against Southern Miss. 24-31 for 345 and six touchdowns, and Western Carolina 14 and 19, 306, three TDs. So um, definitely, like you said, you know, needs to have another year to build on it. But okay, you know, noted on Malik Willis. And hey, you know, uh, Philip, thank you for that question. Yes, Keep him coming. Real appreciate it. Broback uh, has a, one final question here: Who benches more between myself yeah. and uh, Steve Hamner? Uh, Steve, uh, I'll let you take away first, sir. So I'm gonna say 100. percent in Eric's prime, Eric does. Eric is built to be Eric is built to be successful in the bench press. Y'all don't know him. He's got that strong safety built, 5'8, five, 5'9. Five, probably when he was in his prime, 210, 215. Probably guessing right just by look by, by knowing your structure and it being my yeah. job. Just look at people and, and know that. Uh, so he, and he had those powerful arms. I can see him tucking his elbows. Um, I was a quarterback, moved to safety. Bench was not my strong suit. However, um, you know, my, my 225 test was that 15, 16-ish range. So it wasn't okay. like slouch. I could still put okay. it up. And I, I would say Eric for sure in his prime. Right now, I don't know how much he bench presses. He's a big-time military press guy. For y'all don't know. <laughs> this, guy, don't know. this guy's hilarious. Um, so I would say if, I'm, if I can bench press more, Eric, it would be right now, but definitely not in his prime. Okay. Uh, so I guess this begs the question, Steve. You know, what would you say if he's your max or one rep? Uh, on the bench there. And, and once again, for those before, you know, you, those make their own assumptions. Steve works in fitness. You know, he, he is a sports performance specialist. He trains professional athletes. Uh, you know, he, he is, uh, uh, this is his field. But with that disclaimer, go ahead, sir. Yeah. Uh, right, right now it's low threes. Like I, it's, it's nothing impressive. I'm, I'm a 30 year old dad, you know, so it's like three, three or five, probably nothing impressive. I want to state for a disclaimer that this is for entertainment purposes only, and I would never gamble. Steve, you name your price. You put up three ten. Name name your uh, name your price. Am I putting up three ten? 
Yeah, you're putting three ten. Name your price. Oh man, like how much I get if I put three ten? You name, name. Listen, I don't think you're putting three ten. So you you name what's at what's at stake. While while you're thinking, uh, I just did three forty five last week. I got so no I'm, I'm, I got no so, shot. So I'm gonna guess a quarterback. <laughs> I no 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 that, right right. This, this is fair. This is fair, right? You know, and I did that three forty five after about 60 something reps of bench. Um, I, I was doing kind of like a bench type burnout where I was, you know, building whatnot, um, uh, some like bench thing I saw on Instagram. I figured I'd try it out. So uh, I, I'd, I'd say about 380, probably one rep max. Well, but uh, now, now you've had time to think, Steve. Yeah. Uh, listen, I'm not doubting Steve's, you know, physical strength, right? I've actually seen Steve in the gym. You know, when he, he's, he's humble with the Montana, you know, shirt on. But when he throws on the sleeveless hoodie, you know, Steve's got guns himself. But 310? <laughs> Uh, for a guy who's probably about a buck forty, uh, that uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Eric's got jokes today. Okay, I'm gonna remember this. Him and his, uh, I mean, Eric's in the gym listening to Flow Rider and Trick Pack <laughs> and all this stuff. And he, but we don't want Houston rap. We don't want him to listen to Houston rap. <laughs> three three ten, I could, I probably won't get right now. Uh, okay, I'm probably three hundred ish. Okay, I, I mean, we'll, we'll, you know, we can take this off here. You know, we got plenty of uh, of, of QB stuff to get into okay. besides uh, this. So, bro, back. We appreciate the uh, the question. Really, you know, um, uh, as we'll transition into some of our topics today, we want to go ahead and rank the quarterback plays far as the G five leagues, American CUSA, Mountain West Sun Belt, as it relates to quarterbacks heading into spring. Steve, uh, what conference you want to start with? Okay, so here's what I'm going to do real quick, and then I'm going to have you because I know I I think you're going to disagree with me here. So I'm going to okay. go I'm going to go down kind of my rankings going into spring, explain why, and then um, and then you can go and then I want you to go through yours and, and explain why. Yeah. Uh, but then you know at the same time, um, this could, like a lot of it is speculation. So if you're if you if you earned the the market, and you want to throw some money into it. It's good to buy low, right? So I think. <laughs> I think the number one uh, quarterback conference heading into uh, the spring is the Mountain West. Okay, I know people are probably going to think it's the American. And while I think you could argue that they have the top two quarterbacks in all of G5, I think as we're talking conference as a whole, the Mountain West is going to be a bit stronger heading into spring. you got Hake Bachmeyer, Nick Starkle, Carson Strong, Shevin Cordero from uh, Hawaii, and then we've got Jake Hayner from Fresno. Those are all solid, solid quarterbacks. We've got Logan Bonner transferring to Utah State, who's a proven transfer. Transfer San Diego State has a transfer to Mississippi State. That's a speculation kind of play. And then the, the, the rest are kind of guys you want to uh, – that – you know, are still looking for their starting quarterback. Second, I'm going with the Sun Belt. Okay, Sun Belt. We got Grayson McCall from Coastal, uh, Cornelius Brown from Georgia State. We got Gunnar Watson from Troy. We have Le Levi Lewis from Louisiana, Lane Lane Hatcher from Arkansas State, and Brady McBride, uh, Texas State, Desmond Trotter. South Alabama. So you could make that their number one, honestly, heading into the spring, uh, especially with the transfer. They got some solid transfers to Taylor Powell from Mizzou is transferring to Troy. So he's going to be competition with Gunnar Watson. We've got James Blackman from Florida State to Arkansas State adding competition. Jake Bitley from Utah to South Alabama. So we have some solid, solid transfers coming in. After that, I'm going to American. Uh, because Desmond Ritter and, and Dylan Gabriel may be the two best quarterbacks in all of the group of five. You can make that argument. Uh, but however, I think after them, there's a little bit of a drop off. I like Michael Pratt a lot. I think he's got a good chance. He had a great freshman year. Uh, Clayton Toon, if you can take take the next steps, and then Holton Ehlers, if he can take the next step as well, can be solid, solid dudes. I think the American has the potential to be the best 
group of five conference there is. Uh, but going into the spring, I put the number three because there's a lot of speculation. We have SMU with a new transfer, Memphis new transfer, South Florida new transfer, Temple new transfer. Um, so they have potential to be the best, but a lot of speculation. And then last but and least right now is going to be Conference USA. We've got Grant Wells. Frank Harris is probably your top two guys coming back. Chris Reynolds, but he's going to be in competition with, with James Foster. And then we have speculation transfers at Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky, UNT, Rice, Southern Miss. So it could, they could be better, but until they actually prove it, it's just speculation. All right. So I will pick up where Steve, you know, leaves off there. I have no problem putting Conference USA, the league I cover for. The fact of the matter is the Grant Wells, Frank Harris, like you said, those are your top two, Chris Reynolds. Maybe in a quarterback competition with James Foster. We'll see. The rest of the league, I mean, you run it down. Western Kentucky, listen, both of us are buying high on Bailey Zappi, but you got to see it. Got to yeah. see it. Middle Tennessee, uh, Hockman, Bailey Hockman, got to see it, right? With UNT, you know, Austin Ani, you got to see what their quarterback situation is. Rice, uh, come on, the kids, uh, it, this is what happens when I get in offseason. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, Mike Collins, Mike Collins, Mike Collins from TCU. They got a new transfer, too. They did get a new transfer too, but I, I'm, I'm buying up. I think that offense, if it's going to run, it's going to go through Mike Collins because I think he, he played well in 2020 enough in the brief showing of the games that Rice had. Southern Miss will have to see what happens there as far as their quarterback situation. Trey Lowe, you know, um, see Will, Will, Will Hall. Almost said Will Healy, but Will Hall will do there. And UTEP, a guy, Gavin Hardison, that's a guy who we think good yep. size, definitely has some playmaking ability. But again, we got to see UTEP actually beat a team that's, you know, Decent. So uh, there's that. I actually am really high on the Sun Belt, you know, maybe because I saw Grayson McCall firsthand. Uh, definitely high on, on Levi Lewis, Lane Hatcher, Brady McBride, Desmond Trotter as well. That's a guy who, you know, we'll have to go and see what happens there. As far as McBride and Texas State, that's one that I think has the potential to be interesting, right? Because even that entire Texas State program as a whole. Steve, do you know how many wins Texas State had last year? I think two. Right. You're correct. They went two and 10. Now, if you know, that was a team that when they played on national TV, it looked really good. Yeah. And um, they had the showdown game against whom I uh, come on. Who did they? UTSA. It was like UTSA. There we go. It was UTSA. 48 or something like that. Right. Like it was Right. Awesome. You know, and, and you go back. It's like, wait a minute. You only had two wins last year. Yeah. Let's see what Jake Spavitaw is able to do there. I actually am high on the maybe a little higher on the American than you are. I'll put Mountain West second. You're a big Hank Buckmeyer guy. I am as well. I saw his, I believe his first career start against Florida State and where he got beat up and hung in there as he'll come back and win at Dilt Campbell. You know, I believe that was the uh, kind of the beginning of the end of the Willie Taggart era at Florida State there. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a little higher on the American, you know. Um, definitely as far as Dylan Gabriel, I think uh, Michael Pratt's due for a, a breakout year. I shouldn't say due. I think he's up for a breakout year as, as a true sophomore. Clayton Toon. I am buying, I think, the, the, the weapon here, the secret weapon. It's now or never, Holt Nailers. You know, we've seen yeah. it in spurts. We've seen it in bits. Yep. Um, yep. What can necessarily or what is going to happen there as far as this, you know, this year and his potential? Really quick, I want to ask you about Temple's QB situation. This is just me spitballing here really quick. Who was the transfer they got offhand? I'm not remembering off the top of my head. Dwayne Mathis from Georgia. Right, right. Dwayne, okay. So, Arkansas got banned. Right. So you have him. How do you feel about Real Mitchell? Uh, is he, as far as I know, he's still there, right? Yeah. 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 To, to, um, you know, we can go back and amend this otherwise, but to the best of my recollection, yeah. 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 he's still, I believe Real Mitchell got the start against UCF because of COVID 
yeah. um, situation. But just what are your thoughts on him? Just really quickly. I really don't have a t- I know he was a good athlete, and I think he, you know, bad circumstance where in high school he was benched for the number one quarterback in the nation. <laughs> so be it, right? You'd be one fans. You guys know that. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think with American, I just think – and it sounds like they're banking on the speculation that they're all going to turn out, which is, which is fair. Cause right. Because they, they, they do – the transfers they have coming in are, you know, top – quality transfer so that's why I said the potential to be number one is is there for sure in my opinion too Steve I'm gonna put you on the spot here really quickly right so I'll let you go ahead and pick I won't ask I'm gonna let you pick out of the four leagues here what quarterback situation do you believe or it could be a handful two three I only limit to just one has the biggest boom or bust potential Ooh, man so Okay, if it was going into 2020, I would say Desmond Ritter in Cincinnati, but he kind of boomed last year, right? As we yeah. And boom or bust, man, that is good. Um, man, okay. I would say, just off the, off the top of my head, Arkansas State might have it, just for the simple fact you have Lane Hatcher and James Blackman. So you have two good quarterbacks that have potential. But, again, we saw the two-quarterback system last year, and we have a new offensive coordinator. I mean, a, a new offensive, uh, a new coaching staff. Right, right. Um, but that's not what people want. They want to hear like the the the, the new stuff. Maybe maybe Tanner Mordecai at SMU, Grant Gannell at Memphis. Maybe um, I think I think Bailey Zappi is going to boom. I don't think there's any bust there at Western Kentucky, yep. right? Uh, but yeah, so I, I might go with Grant Gannell at Memphis. That might be a, a, a good one. Grant Gannell at Memphis. Maybe Jaron Williams at South Florida. Can, can you can you see that really taking off? Yeah, that might be my best one. Jeremy Williams at South Florida because he is a talent. It could, the talent could take off, or it could be what it's been the past few years. I will give you my two. Right. I was going to say Jaron Williams at, at USF. Let's see how that competition plays out. The other one that I'm very much keeping my on eye on is Charlotte. Hmm. I I want to see. Listen, you and I are both Chris Reynolds fans. We've talked about him. You know, as far as how he worked his way up on the on the def chart. I think this is going to be interesting with James Foster. You know. It, it, for whatever it's worth, Chris Reynolds is not, quote, unquote, a Will Healy recruit. I'm not going to say Will Healy guy. So I think that's, that's not a fair way of summarizing it when a guy's led you to a bowl game, right? But he's not a Will Healy recruit. He was brought in by the former coach right now, whose name is escaping me, former defensive coordinator, Marshall Brad Lambert, right? Brad Lambert, the first ever coach at Charlotte. When you have someone like James Foster, who is clearly the more athletically gifted and physically gifted quarterback, uh, I, I think it could get interesting. Uh, I'll put it to you that way, uh, especially because so much of that team, when you, you, know, you change an offensive coordinator and whatnot, is really going to depend on the quarterback situation, how stable it is. Now, it helps having a guy like Vic Tucker, who, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen Victor Tucker play football, not the flashiest receiver, not the fastest, the crispest route runner. I mean, he just knows how to get open. So, you know, that we'll have to see how that one plays out. But want to ask you that. Appreciate you uh, indulging me on that question, Steve. Let's talk about a couple of guys really quickly before we go ahead and close up this episode. Uh, the quarterbacks we're going to spotlight specifically, Nikosi Perry, the former Miami quarterback. For those of you who may have seen him enter the transfer portal, withdrawal and enter again, that wasn't indecisiveness on his part. What actually happened was, uh, those of you who may not be, in, uh, you know, Floridians, the value of a University of Miami degree, uh, UM's a really well um, regarded private school and the reason he pulled from the transfer portal was because he intended to graduate so you know he just kind of pulled his name as a formality just to graduate from um and then re-enter the transfer portal it was pretty much known when he pulled his name that he was not going to stay um but someone who obviously got a lot of playing time throughout his career 
What do you think about Nikosi Perry? I mean, he was a you know big time recruit as well yeah. when he got to UM. Big time recruiting. I think people probably forget how much playing time he had. He's had 27 total touchdowns, you know, then last year when King came in, it was just, you're not getting playing time until King got hurt the last game. And I think, tell me if this is, if this is fair, because you're a Florida guy, I'm half a Florida guy, right? So we, we have our ears to that. And 20, 2018, when he got the majority of playing time, I bet Miami fans thought they found their quarterback of the future, right? Yes. yes. Like they're like, okay, this is the guy. Uh, Steve, not to cut you off. Yeah. Nikosi Perry, if my memory serves me correct, made his debut or got his first extended playing time 2018 FIU at Hard Rock Stadium. Um, come on. Who was the kid who was there? Uh, Malik Rozier. Malik Rozier gets benched early on. Um, Malik, Malik Rozier went the first two or three drives. Nikosi Perry comes in and lights it up. The rest is history. Yeah. No, didn't mean to cut you off, but go ahead. No, no, you're good. No, because because he, he – the thing with him is he's been so inconsistent, right? He has like a, a complete percentage like – 52, a career completion percentage, or somewhere in that. In that Correct. Range. But he's taking care of the ball. Um, and, and even the game, even the bowl game against Oklahoma State when King got hurt this year and he came in and played, they only lost by three. Like, he, he you know, kept them in the game. So he, he's got potential. I think the inconsistency that kind of, you know, set him back. And even when, when Jaron Williams started off in 2019, uh, he still played a lot because Jaron Williams struggled. So he, and he, he, he did some things well. So I think we've seen that he can be a good fit somewhere. He has the talent. It's just the consistent part of it. I think he could be a really good G5 fit somewhere, like a really good G5 fit somewhere. Look at his numbers here. 24 touchdowns, 10 picks. Someone who, like you mentioned, protects the football really well. Uh, had a pick against Clemson, but that's one pass. You know, I, I don't remember offhand what pass that was. Could have been a Hail Mary fall. We know, you know, at halftime. Uh, again, here looking at his numbers, uh, one of five in the bowl game against Wisconsin. I don't believe he started. That one had a pick. And then three of six. Uh, this is the game I believe he was benched. Three of six against Virginia in 2018 with two picks. Outside of that, you know, he's done a really good job protecting the football. And, and the FIU game I referenced was not his debut. He had made his debut against Savannah State week one, but against his first D1 competition, 17 of 25, 224, three touchdowns and interception. So Nikosi Perry, like you mentioned, someone who definitely could be a factor at the G5 level. We'll see how that plays out. Joe Milton, another Floridian from Olympia High School in Orlando, the west side of Orlando. Uh, another big time recruit, you know, someone who, again, big guy, 6'5", 234, have to see where he play, ends up uh, getting to. Steve, first and foremost, uh, G5 or P5? Put you on the spot here. Where do you think he ends up? G5. P? P5? G, G, G5. G, G, G5. Okay, all right. Uh, I had to put you on the spot there. Have at it with Joe Miller. Yeah, yeah, so I think he's a piece of power five guy, but I think the fact that, uh, you know, he, he started off from Michigan, struggled, and by the end of the year, it was benched for Cade McNamara. I forget the, the backup, but from Michigan took over um big he's similar to Perry as far as as a bill he's a little bit bigger but big guy big arm decent athlete but he's not going to blow anyone away with his speed he wants to stand there and just kind of rip it um so I, I definitely think he's a g5 guy I think he could be a good fit somewhere and there's somewhere I think there's several group of five uh schools still looking for for guys I, I mean FIU probably would take one right I want to put words in your mouth FAU maybe I don't know they probably have their quarterback of the future but it's not like they were uh, solid at, at quarterback last year. And so, you know, with Joe Milton and Nikosi Perry, Nikosi Perry being a Florida guy, Milton being a Florida guy, even though he went to Michigan, like who knows where they could potentially end up. Um, so I think there's a – I think we got more – we know more about Perry than there is about Milton. Sure. Milton still, you know, sure. it's like, you know, he, he's only had a few starts compared to Perry's had at least a season worth of starts if you combine the starts, right? Yeah. Um, so but I, I think 
good. He does have upside, so maybe a power five will take him with the upside of being developed. But I think he go to a group of five and potentially start pretty quickly, depending where he goes. Yeah, really quick, you talk about FAU. You look at the situation there. Michael Johnson Jr., the son of newly named offensive coordinator Michael Johnson, is at FAU. So we'll just see how that plays out. Obviously, you know, coach's son, but that doesn't mean you're guaranteed to start. Willie Tiger Jr. is there at, uh, at FAU. So, you know, you definitely could be, A, an interesting situation where you have two sons of the primary offensive play callers on the team. But, you know, it's, it's an option. If you look at FAU, they definitely are a quarterback away. So it wouldn't shock me to see them say, hey, uh, you know, family ties aside, we got to win ball games. So they're in FIU as well. We know Butch Davis is high on some of the younger quarterbacks he has, but I still think they're going to bring in a veteran quarterback as well. We'll see how, how that goes. Of course, they still have Max Portenschlager as well. The last quarterback we're going to talk about here, a guy making the jump from G5 to P5, a guy who I didn't realize is this big. <laughs> when you look, big, huh? Yeah. Anthony, Anthony Russo, 6'4", 240, going from Temple yeah. to Michigan State. He's, he's a big dude. Eric, do you remember the game he played against UCF? Was it two or three years ago? And it was like a 50-something, 40-something game. Yeah. Kenzie Milton going back and forth. That's the first time I was like, damn, Russo can play. Like he, he, he's, <laughs> he's a gunslinger, right? Um, and so I think – I got a few things for, for Russo. I think he is yeah. going to a situation where he can start Michigan State. The start at Michigan State last year transferred to uh, Northern Illinois – uh, Rocky Lombardi, what an epic name. But uh, <laughs> so he's gone, but you know, quarterback position has struggled at Michigan State uh, the past few years. Um, what, what Russo brings is a lot of experience. He's a three year starter at Temple, over 6,000 yards passing, 51 total touchdowns. He, he has thrown a lot of interceptions, over 30 in his three seasons starting. So that's one thing. But at the same time, Temple needed him to take some risks. Um, but my big takeaway is he's bringing an experience that Michigan State doesn't have. Uh, we, of course, will be rooting for him, being, you know, G5 uh, type, of, type of podcast and, and group and now going to Power 5. We want him to go have success. Here's my head scratcher. Sure. Um, he, has the, he has a big arm, which you saw against UCF those few years ago when they were lining up the scoreboard. He has a big arm. He can push the ball downfield. But for whatever reason, that Temple – they, they didn't do it often. That's, they didn't do as much as I would like to see. He only, in his three years starting, only one of those years, his yards per attempt was over seven. That was in 2018. It was 7.4. So it wasn't even like it blew anyone off. It was just averages, right? So it was, it was acceptable. Now, I don't know how much that has to do with the offense or how much that had to do with, with, with Anthony Russo. I'm not sure. But you would still like to see the ball be pushed downfield more. And here's another thing to add to the head scratcher. Michigan State as a team, uh, last year was averaged less than seven yards per attempt in 2019. 2018, they averaged 5.7 yards per attempt. They have that kind of boring offense, that Big Ten offense, round it, pound it, pound it, try to complete a pass, pound it, pound it, try to complete a pass. Um, so last year with a new coaching change, they improved a little bit. Um, and so I think the idea is Russo can come in there, and even though – uh, he didn't push the ball downfield as much as you know he would probably have liked to at Temple. Michigan State is probably still banking on the fact that Russo has a tool, the tools to change that, uh, to change Michigan State's offense and push the ball downfield a bit more. So I'm excited to see what happens. He has the talent. It's just how is he going to flow in that offense and can Michigan State put him in a situation to succeed? Yeah, really quick, just the big thing I remember about Anthony Russo at Temple was always seems as if they were kind of putting him in that game manager role. Mm -hmm. And I think – when you get cast in that role, maybe it kind of dilutes or, you know, doesn't allow for your actual potential as a quarterback to shine through, right? Because once you're cast as a game manager, it's like, all right, he can't be the guy. He can't be the person who can sling it 
60 times. I'm not saying Anthony Russo necessarily want him sling it 60 times, but from your assessment, he's someone who can more than get the job done from the physical tool perspective. It's a good point. It's a good point. Absolutely. So with that being said, we want to thank you for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at QB Spotlight. You can find Steve on Twitter at Stephen Hamner, S-T-E-V-E-N, Hamner, H-A-M-N-E-R. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore all the negative stuff. Send my way. Steve is rather sensitive and he's a new father. So he's probably running on lack of sleep. <laughs> um, again, <laughs> Uh, again, as you can always you can find the podcast uh, through Podbean. They upload to Apple iTunes. You can find it in various podcasting platforms. Uh, again, sincerely, please reach out to us on Twitter. We welcome all feedback. Twitter, leave your reviews. It's the only way we can help this podcast grow. YouTube as well. Leave your, you know, who you want to see on YouTube. Steve is doing an excellent job breaking down those guys. Spring football is right around the corner. Any topics you have, you know, we won't just continue to do uh, transfer portal quarterbacks. We'll get into quarterback battles. We'll get into, you know, a litany of things. Probably look at do some draft stuff as the draft get, you know, rolls around as well. So any topics, shoot them our way. We will be more than happy to address them. Thank you for listening. Spring football again is around the, is around the corner. Stay safe, everyone, and happy football watching.